Welcome to Logical, the UAE's first and only legal podcast that we are aware of. My name's Tim Elliott. Logical comes to you from the Dubai-based legal firm, HPL Yamalava and Plethka. As ever, here is the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalava. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Tim. Thanks for being here. This episode, Ludmilla, all to do with those ever-popular characters that we call real estate brokers. Now, in our last podcast... Uh, we were talking about transferring property. We got into some of the nuances of deposit checks uh, before you come to transfer property uh, and some of the nuances of the importance of real estate brokers. And in some ways, it's almost as though they are custodians. Uh, in uh, It might be that's the best way to put it. Now, it's easy to tar real estate brokers with the same brush. There are as many good guys as there are bad guys, and I'm not setting out to bash people. But there are some things you need to know before you enter into a relationship with a real estate broker. The first, I guess, is that the involvement of a real estate broker in a property transaction in the UAE isn't required by law, unlike uh, uh, what many may suggest. Indeed, and that's a great start. And I've been in this uh, country for 14 years, and uh, still to this day, this is a very common statement, if not an assertion, Mm. by many um, uh, either brokers or others. So yes, you're required, you must use a broker. You, You cannot buy or sell property without a broker. That is not the case. It's never been the case. There is no law requiring to have a broker. Mm. And but if you do have a broker, there obviously then then there are a number of regulations and practices that have evolved as a result of having a broker involved in the transaction. But legally speaking, you are not required uh, to do so, nor do you actually, in practical terms, uh, really need to have one. I mean, in theory, it's a simple process. In theory, it's a simple process. You don't need a lawyer. You don't need a broker. The buyer and seller can sit together draft an agreement or just note something on a napkin, get the necessary no objection certificates, go down and complete the transaction. In theory, there is much more to it. And our previous podcast on transferring property kind of outlines some of those nuances. But you you don't need anything apart from to sit down with the person that you're buying from or the person you're selling to, in theory. In theory, yes, but let's say you and I live on the same uh, uh, same floor, but I own my property and you're renting a property next door, or even you live in the property next door, and now you found out that I'm selling my property and uh, you want to buy it. So you and I already know each other. Uh, we know uh, what the price uh, that I want, and you're happy to uh, to agree to that price. So at that point, uh, really, it's, it's it can actually be very simple because sure. we already have a relationship with not just each other, but even the property itself and, and the management company. So therefore, in those cases, it's much, much easier uh, to go through the process of transfer. And in fact, we, um, we, we do many of these or manage many of these for clients and truly is not at all uh, required to have a broker. Perhaps a broker could only be a... Uh, and interference, even a lawyer for that matter, because once again, you don't. If we know each other and we know the property, we don't even really need a lawyer. Mm. Uh, so, um, but let's say that's that's a simple case, and perhaps it's less common than uh, what we see in particular today. 
uh, where the Dubai property market is booming once again. And it's booming once again. And it's uh, not because us, the long timers here, are buying properties, but rather because we've got newcomers coming into the market and buying property. And newcomers, by just definition, means that they're new. So they don't have the kind of relationship of trust uh, or just even contacts or even knowledge of the market. So this is where you need the broker. Absolutely. If you are a newbie in the market, you don't even know. You want, and this, by, by the way, is happening a lot now because of the various geopolitical issues in the world. And uh, all of a sudden, people want to come and, and invest in Dubai. Either they want to invest here and, and sort of park some money or because they want to relocate their families here. So the concept of being in Dubai, living in Dubai, and plus there's Dubai recently, and this is a, one of the big driving forces to the real estate market, is Dubai's or UE's recent announcement about various types of visas um, that allow people to, residence visas that allow people to stay and live and benefit from mm. just a day-to-day life in the UAE. And there's just many more of them. They're much more flexible. So it's becoming a lot more interesting for a lot of people just to retire here, for example, or uh, or just um, to invest, uh, to move their families because it's a very safe place to live. So what we often see is people say, we want to invest in Dubai. But we're in Dubai. Uh, Well, we're not sure. We haven't really been to Dubai very much or we don't know. So this is where you need the broker. This is where you want to have a broker because you want the broker is traditionally that's the role of a broker. They will... They will guide you and consult you on the different types of areas um, that exist in Dubai where foreigners can buy the freehold areas. They would explain to you the types of projects that exist, the communities, the pluses and minuses. They will uh, arrange viewings. They will meet you there. They will communicate with the parties and so on and so forth. So this is where you would, you're not required to have a broker, but certainly would be very, very helpful. And in that case, the broker, if you're traditional, as you rightfully said, and there's plenty of quality brokers out there who actually would do quite a bit of work uh, before you and I can agree on doing the property transfer. And that is in terms of uh, advising you as the buyer of the different types of properties and the, the arranging viewings, negotiating with um, um, the, the seller or the broker of the seller and comparing, providing with comparisons and such. Uh, so uh, so in those cases, you, it really would highly benefit from having a broker. Well, I mean, this, this is the point to make, isn't it? You don't have to, but it is sensible to use somebody. You don't have to use a lawyer, but it is sensible to employ the services of a lawyer. That's, that's a given. And there are plenty of good people, just as there are plenty of people who are maybe less good. Let's talk a little bit about commissions and charges because and correct me once again if i'm wrong i'm fine with that there's no law that regulates commissions that brokers can or should charge indeed there is no law so there's a law that regulates brokers per se but at a very high level and that is that if you act as a broker you must be licensed in dubai by rira rira stands for real estate regulatory agency yeah. Uh, so if you are to do things right uh, for someone who is who, uh, holds himself or herself out to be a broker, they need to be registered with RERA. To be registered with RERA, they, among other things, uh, need to have taken the test and, and pass uh, the um, 
the kind of exam, if you will, that they need to pass, and then they will have a RERA card issued to them. And so, and but to have this card issued, they also have to be part of an agency or a real estate agency. They cannot be on their own. So there is a broker card specifically that person, and there's also the RERA number for the agency itself, the real estate agency. Uh, so those brokers are regulated per se because they are registered with the land department and RERA. And, um, and then therefore, it, just by virtue of having this broker number, uh, there is these RERA regulations that kind of regulate brokers, so to speak, that at least you could kind of cite or reference in the event you want to hold them up to some sort of a standard. Now, with regards to what these regulations are, they are very, very sort of high level. It's more about what they need to do in order to have a RERA card or mm. rear number versus, for example, their ethical obligations uh, or detailing what um, they must do for their clients in order to receive their commission or, for example, what the commission should be and how it should be calculated. So these these details are not addressed in these rear regulations for brokers. Uh, so it's the, the, the rear regulations are there, but they really just it's uh, they're just more to to help brokers be licensed. But as you rightfully said, there, these regulations do not include anything about commissions, uh, let alone the, and therefore they don't make any reference for these commissions to be mandatory, uh, and uh, they don't set the, the floor or the ceiling, uh, nor do they really, in helpful terms, spell out what agents must do in order to uh, uh, to earn a commission in the event they were to actually charge a commission. Right. So if there's no regulation there setting anything to do with uh, levels of commission, that kind of means, by extension, you don't really have to pay a commission, I, I guess. Indeed, you don't have to pay commission, but in fairness, you'd want to pay commission if you hired someone to help you manage a transaction and they do the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it, it's it's only fair and it's obviously is expected because uh, it's a service that you would otherwise uh, uh, retain or solicit. Uh, so, uh, but in terms of what the commission has become it as as just by virtue of customer practice and what brokers do or do not do uh, to justify the commission as a sort of a separate subject and so uh, on that note the practice has developed that brokers would charge 2% oh, we've seen higher commissions we've seen 3% we've seen 4% but uh, sort of at a at a high level, 2% is what has become kind of the practice. Again, these 2%, they are purely contractual and up to the parties to agree. Uh, so, and that's 2% of the purchase price. Right. Uh, furthermore, another practice, once again, that has developed, this is not mandated by law, is that although, let's say the broker could be um, representing both of us, or it could even be my broker, because I was the one who listed with this broker, the practice has developed so that it's the buyer that pays the broker's commission, not the seller. So even though, let's say, I wanted to sell and I've listed it with this particular broker and you found that property through my broker, uh, the broker's fees would be, the, the broker would charge 2%. Again, by practice, you as the buyer, even though the broker represents me, the seller, you, the buyer, would pay the broker's 2%. It, it really seems as though the, the privilege of buying 
is the privilege of buying, if, if, you, if you get where I'm going with this, because that, that seems to be a theme that's emerging. Indeed, yes. It's a lot. So all the burdens are these days are on the buyer, and perhaps it's an indication of where the market is. Right. And that's the, it's the seller's market. Uh, so therefore, me as a seller, I can have you as the buyer pay for the full 4% of the land department for the property transfer, and I can have you... Uh, pay two uh, percent to the broker for uh, for basically the privilege of buying. So all in all, this is very important, by the way, that you as the buyer you factor that in. So let's say if I sell your property for a hundred uh, for a million dirhams, on top of the million dirhams you'll have to trans- transfer to me net, you will have to pay a hundred thousand uh, or forty thousand dirhams uh, to the land department, which is the four percent. Mm. And you'll have to pay another two percent to uh, the broker, which is another twenty thousand dirhams. So uh, you'll have to pay another sixty thousand dirhams f- on top of your million dirhams that you pay me uh, for the property, just for the transfer. Right. So factor that in if you're thinking about buying. It's, it's worth noting, I think, with Miller again, that there is no law regulating commissions the brokers can charge. There are no specific guidelines as to what brokers can and cannot do in connection with representing parties and charging commissions. It's it's well worth pointing that out. But we are not trying to bash people. There are the good ones and the bad ones. Absolutely. Listen, and I myself am in the service industry, so I provide a service. And uh, brokers, uh, at least traditionally and by definition, are there to provide a service as well. Sure. And I absolutely support uh, and encourage for uh, for parties to pay for brokers uh, for the service that they provide. The key here is a service must be provided. Yes. And I think one of the concerns, one of the issues, one of the common issues that parties lament about is that they pay brokers this extraordinary, extraordinary, fairly high commission. Maybe they're not extraordinary high, but perhaps a high uh, if you compare them to what the brokers do in order to, to, to get paid that commission. Yeah. And many lament the brokers basically just bring parties together, but they don't really do anything about actually facilitating the transfer the property, such as, for example, uh, getting the uh, the NOCs involved and uh, or or um, uh, issued. And remember, we talked in the previous podcast about the property transfer, uh, but that even that discussion was still kind of based more or less on a more simplified example. Because the more complex example would be if, let's say, the property is mortgaged. Let's say I my property that I'm selling to you is mortgaged, and you also buying with a mortgage. So there's another level of NOCs and complexities and the time that's involved. And so in cases like this, having a broker would be very, very beneficial because Mm. the broker could and should manage all these different relationships with the various service providers, with utility providers, with the banks, with the finance companies. Uh, so there's actually quite a bit of work to do. And therefore, in that in that event, the broker certainly is entitled to receive that. It's just that if they actually do the work, if they actually facilitate and help you and me obtain these transfers in order for the property uh, transfer to take place. So it comes down to provision of a level of service. And that's the point, isn't it? And it's, it's also an interesting point you you make there it's that local knowledge i suppose understanding the way the system works because it's all well and good and we've seen this a lot lots of landlords lots of uh, property buyers come in from across the world the 200 nationalities that live in dubai uh, and the way it is at home may not be the way it is here 
Yes, and I will tell you, there's so many more nuances and, and maybe even wrinkles to dealing with, um, I guess, property transfer, in particular brokers in Dubai, and one of which, and this is one of my greatest pet peeves, is that brokers here, they're so afraid, because I tell you, because basically lawyers are not often present in, in property transfers, right. but, but brokers uh, are, and in many cases, there's more than one broker. Sometimes you know who the other broker is. Other times the broker is just kind of an unofficial broker and they have this sort of the splitting these commissions uh, between between themselves kind of off the record. Sometimes brokers also, uh, or for example, want to earn a commission without registering with the real estate agency uh, which employs them. So there's a lot of kind of shenanigans like that that, that, uh, that go on. And over the years, somehow this, this perhaps even paranoia, if you will, fear developed amongst brokers brokers not to trust anyone not mm. to trust any, anybody on the other side so what we often see and this is quite um, you know, quite paradoxical for us lawyers is that because obviously we don't compete with brokers we're not there to earn a commission so that's not what lawyers do lawyers get paid for the service and that gets paid by the client and has nothing to do with the property transfer itself right uh, so, but yet, what brokers do is that they are so afraid to tell the other side, i.e., the um, uh, the seller, for example, uh, give the details to the buyer himself or herself. So they will give a copy of the passport of the buyer, for example, but they will not give contact details because, God forbid, me as a lawyer would want, or me as a as a seller would want to uh, to reach out to the buyer directly. Right. Believe it or not, and this this honestly is one of those things. Things that should not exist. It just should not exist. And I will make a very strong point about it because it is wrong on so many levels. So let's say if you're a buyer and I'm the seller, I should have your contact details just like you have my contact details. But what often happens in most cases is that the brokers, and we, by the way, have have seen a lot of our, you know, many of our clients have sellers, for example, walked away because in these are the cases where brokers will not disclose contact details of the buyer, in this case, you, because you're so afraid that if I find out as the seller, your contact details directly, I will call you and I'll reach out to you and I'll cut out the broker. Mm-hmm. But that's, you, that's, it's, you know, it's such a flawed reasoning, right? And it's basically really ultimately based and stems from mistrust. Uh, in the industry and that's something that definitely needs to change because what happens instead and these are real case examples and they're very recent as well is that where we represent the seller and your broker for example is so afraid that i will know your contact details so that the forms and there's a number of forms and we discussed this in the previous uh, podcast about property transfers there's a number of forms that we need to sign before we get to that day of transfer, including um, uh, various approvals and NOCs with the management company, which requires for me, and I'm the seller here, which requires for me to put in input the details of the buyer, the new buyer, and contact details of the buyer in order for us to apply for the NOC. What the brokers do in those cases, they will not put your contact details. They'll put their own contact details. So we're talking about legal documents between you and me, me, the seller, you, the buyer. And yet the brokers put their own contact details in these forms, legal forms, which is is wrong on so many different levels. And it all stems from this fear and the paranoia that somehow I'm going to steal you as a, as, a, as a client or as a party. And uh, I'll, I'll you cut out the broker. So 
this is one of those things that should not exist and it's wrong to exist and it, it's there is um, the market will be much healthier and much more competitive if we didn't have this kind of fear and in many cases unsubstantiated fear and you know I perhaps maybe as far as other brokers is concerned there's some reasoning behind it, but certainly when you're dealing with lawyers on the other side, you should not be hiding the details from lawyers because <laughs> what will lawyers do? Go and, and and cut out the broker. That's not really the purpose of lawyers. But uh, you know, again, this is not to uh, uh, to criticize or, or, or to uh, to make brokers uh, seem irrelevant. There, listen, there is absolutely this massive, massive, massive need for qualified brokers, for mm. qualified hardworking, competent, professional brokers. And I, and this is my own sincere wish to see more of them uh, in, in Dubai in particular. And there are some, uh, but um, it's the industry really needs more development and evolution in that space uh, to allow for more professional relationship and therefore trust amongst all parties. That is another episode of Logical. This time, all you need to know about real estate brokers here in the UAE, transaction and commission tips in there as well. As ever, our legal expert here on Logical, Ludmilla Yamalava, managing partner here at Yamalava and Pleska. Uh, a huge thank you. Thank you, Tim. Find us at LY Law on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. There's also a growing library, hundreds of podcasts, all kinds of legal issues covered here in the UAE as well, and all free to listen to. Last but not least, to get your legal question answered in a future episode of Logical, or if you'd like to speak to a qualified UAE-experienced legal professional, click contact at lylawyers.com.